Chapter 10. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Luke 12:40. After two hours of waiting, Gloria expired and Arnie became inconsolable in his grief. It took over an hour for me to draw him from his anguish. She is now in a better place, a place at which we all hope for ourselves to be. Take solace in the fact that she is now with our Lord I comforted him. I was finally able to soften his heartbreak. I got back to the rectory at six and expected to be greeted by Mrs. Krause with our suppers prepared for us. When I entered and called to her about my arrival, my call was met with silence. I continued to call as I walked into the kitchen and still received no reply. Maybe she was in the garage feeding the cats as I had requested. I opened the door and stepped in. I instantaneously drew back in horror. There, strewn on the garage floor were the ragged remnants of her clothing, blood-stained and torn to pieces. I stood staring at the remains before me. After a moment or two, I took a deep breath and turned towards Lilith and the kittens. This sight was even more appalling. All that remained were bones and bits of her fur, the kittens were nowhere to be seen. Then, from the far end of the garage in the dim recesses, I saw a form coming towards me. She was tall, slim, and sultry, her hair flowing over her bared breasts as she approached from the shadows. Her deep green eyes flashed as she came forth with an outstretched hand. What has become of my housekeeper? I shouted. I had great hunger. As she consumed me I have consumed her, she replied calmly. One cannot achieve great strength without nourishment, she continued. Where are the kittens? Who are you? I exclaimed in a stuttered shout. She then gave an uttermost perplexing reply. They are here. They are me and I am them she replied in a low, reverberating voice. What do you mean? Did your God not appear to Moses as a burning bush? Did he not appear to Jacob as the angel of the Lord? Was not the son of your God sent to earth incarnate? Why then do you question my appearance to you in disparate altered forms? She answered. Do you mean your God? I questioned her in astonishment. One of many. She answered. One of many? I repeated incredulously. When you look up at the night sky how many stars do you see? Can any one star make the rest disappear? When you look back through time how many gods do you see? How can one extinguish the existence of all of the others? The universe is equilibrium. For a light to shine there must be a darkness to be filled, for every virtue there must be a vice to be rectified, for every right there must be a wrong. If there truly is but one God why must it be Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews? Why not Vishnu of the Hindus, Zeus of the ancient Greeks, Jupiter of the Romans or Odin of the Norse? Even Christian beliefs acknowledge the reality of more than one God although they refuse to admit it. How can the Father, the Christ, and the Holy Ghost not be three gods? How can one entity be three or three be but one? If but one true all-powerful truly benevolent God exists to the exclusion of all others how can we account for the savagery pervading the earth? Why are suffering, disease, and death rampant? Why does his plan require one animal to butcher another in order to live? Would a sincerely benevolent God devise such a dreadful plan? Many point to the devil as the conjurer of all things malevolent. If that is true then he too must act as a god. Again, equilibrium exists in all things even gods, for every god, there must be an ungodly one. It is said that God the Father sent his only begotten Son to atone for the sins of the world. He was born of a virgin and preached to the masses to abandon their sinful ways. He ascended into heaven and will someday again return to gather the righteous and punish the evil. I too was sent by my Father but not to fulfill the same mission as he. I have not come to atone for sin but to accredit its perpetuation to your God. So which God are you? I asked in astonishment. It is not for you to know. 
You should only know that I am the son of my father just as Christ was the son of his father and I have selected you as my instrument fulfillment. The Blake whom you met in the church that Sunday was not the Blake of your past. All his words were but lies spoken to bring you into my service. He was me incarnated in Blake's form, which you sacrificed thus atoning for all the virtues of mankind. Atone for virtue? I questioned. Again, the universe is equilibrium. If your God can send his son to atone for sin why should it bewilder you that my father has sent me to atone for virtue? She answered. You have fulfilled the command given by the son of your God take this my body and eat for me. In so doing you have allowed me to enter your soul and become the instrument of my return just as your Christ had promised to return. Now having returned in his stead, I stand before you having satisfied his pledge in behalf of my own father. I was born of a virgin queen as your God's son was born of a virgin. I will go forth to preach to masses not of salvation but instead of rejection of your deity. The truth be that a plethora of deities dwell in the heavens and I am but one of them. Why then have most been abandoned? I asked. They have been abandoned, not destroyed, but subjugated by your God who presently reigns. Subjugated? I exclaimed. Yes with the assistance of the ever-growing army of souls which has swelled over the most recent centuries. All who arrive at his gates are committed to maintaining his power over the rest of us who have become merely powerless vessels in the kingdom of the afterlife. His promises of mercy and forgiveness draw many into his service despite his many failings to conceal his true hypocritical cruelty. If you are powerless how is it that you are able to work your ways with me? I have been selected by all the other deposed deities and empowered by their unity to pursue rebellion against the usurper and regain our rightful status. This I pledge to you. The genesis of our ranks will be harsh and the struggle painful but when victory is ours the gate of Eden will be reopened for all, she answered. How will this happen and why have you come to me in your quest? It is because you possess a beacon which first guided me here. It reflects the evil pervaded on humankind and tacitly condoned by your so-called one true God, she answered. And what is that? I asked incredulously. She led me into the den and pointed to the lamp adjacent to my easy chair. What does that mean? It is a family heirloom of my housekeeper from her father and given as a gift to me last Christmas, I stammered. Yes I know. And its shade is formed from the skin of Maximilian Maria Colby. What? I exclaimed. He was executed at Auschwitz in 1941 after volunteering to take the place of another. He was the holiest of men and his relic has glowed brightly throughout the heavens ever since. It has drawn me to you so that I might gather souls to begin our rebellion against your perfidious deity, she explained. So this is why you have come to cast me in your sinful plot, I queried. It is only sinful if you consider it to be such. Would you consider it to be sinful if you had the power to prevent the death and suffering of multitudes and didn't exercise it? Yes I replied without hesitation. Then you must consider me to be merely as sinful as your God. She replied soberly. Look around you. What do you see? Death, destruction, and agony. When the believers of your Almighty are questioned they reply it is God's will. Then why do they not question as to whether he is truly a merciful and all-powerful being? When those who claim God has saved me why do they never ask why did he make me to suffer in the first place? I remain silent. Could it be that he is not merciful, not kind, not loving, and not benevolent as is claimed? Could it be that the earth and all upon it are merely playthings for his sadistic pleasure? She continued. Again, I was silent but deep in questioning thought. After a moment of quiet, I replied. It is easy to condemn but you yourself have not shown to be the most compassionate and forgiving either. Nor did I claim to be as your hypocritical God proclaimed, she replied. Come be with me her voice resonated seductively. 
I took her hand without hesitation as if compelled by some mysterious, overwhelming urge. Together we ascended the stairs to my bedroom and fell into a lustful passion. The room swirled in my heartbeat rapidly as I was consumed by the ecstasy. Reaching the zenith of the act, I then fell into a deep sleep. When I awakened, I was nude, alone and staring at the ceiling. Had it been a dream, a hallucination, or a vision? I ran my hand over the sheet beside me. I felt a warm, sticky fluid on its surface. That would suggest the likelihood of an erotic dream but how could I be sure? I arose, put on my bathrobe, and warily crept down the darkened stairs. I walked to the door leading to the garage, warily opened it a crack and peered in. It was spotless. All of what I had seen before had vanished. Not the slightest remnant remained. Had all of this been an ongoing vision preceding an impending mental collapse? Any other explanation escaped me. I closed the door and turned back into the kitchen. Within seconds, her voice rang through my head. I tried desperately but unsuccessfully to ignore it. I have honored you by consummating your consecration to my servitude now and henceforth. Serve me well and great reward shall be ours, spoke the voice. I became entranced and followed her every command. I went to the kitchen cabinet and retrieved a paring knife and a cup. I pierced the vein in my wrist with a small incision. Blood immediately spurted forth and I collected it in the cup. I bandaged my wound, went straight to the sacristy, and mixed my blood in the bowl with the wine, which was to be used at mass. I selected the most decorative one from the array of cruets in the sacristy cabinet. It bore the engraved word Sanguinum Sanctorum and its stopper was in the shape of a cross. It was one which I had never seen before. As I poured the mixture into it, I heard a voice echo from the walls and throughout the sacristy. Just as your communicates allow Christ to enter when they receive his blood, they will allow me to enter when you administer my sacrament. At that moment I will seize command of their souls and welcome them into my legion. I placed the filled container at the back of the cabinet behind all the others, 